0: See, we started, but I don't know if David Deal knows because he's not wearing headphones. Oh. He's a rebel without a cause. Why are you not wearing the
1: ribbon? Are you too big <laughs> and good a big. man of a man, man enough I to wear
0: the ribbon? <laughs> Gentleman and a scholar. Uh, we got our round table today. Brian Westbrook, David Deal. Uh, we're having a good time. It's Wednesday afternoon.
1: Wednesday afternoon. Deal sipping some suds. Yeah, why went not? Because you've been up since
0: 4 in the morning.
1: Yeah, we got to get ready to roll here.
0: You really didn't believe us that we've had your braces picture up there for like since your last appearance? Everybody
1: loves it. No, I didn't. At first, last time, remember we got done, I walked in and I noticed it. Yeah. And we never referenced it. And then all of a sudden I came in today and I see my man Nick putting it and taping it up to the box. He's like, don't worry, it's been up the entire time. It I just took it out of the frame. I didn't believe him immediately, but like I'm a, here.
0: There's like an innocent destruction in those eyes.
1: The twenty one year old rookie right there, my man. Man. Long Look. way ago, long way ago. And and just so you guys know, I got a lot of grief last time. I didn't wear any merchandise. Thank I you. didn't wear any jewelry. I appreciate that. Brian Westbrook is very happy Thank about you. that. Thank you.
0: Because I, I don't have any either. So that makes <laughs> that makes that I don't have any once a day. Um, do you so speaking of, like, honors and stuff like that, there's been a lot of Hall of Fame stuff happening recently. Something happened today. We're recording this Wednesday. Harold Carmichael, Harold Car- part of the Centennial class, going in. People forget when he retired he was, like, seventh all time and catches yards. It's It's something that we lose in perspective with the new age of the game that, like, you really should look at – where were they when they retired? Mm-hmm. Harold Carmichael, what was your relation to the guy? And also, what is, has what is he meant to that Eagles organization? Well,
2: Harold Carmichael was the head of, like, the player engagement when we played. Yeah. So all the things that the NFL wanted to implement with the players, the the rookie symposium, all the different things that would help these young guys, he was in charge of that. Now, he took it to a whole different level. And so, when when I say in charge of it, when you come into the league, you're looking for housing. Right. You're looking for, you know, how you're getting back and forth to work, suits. And you know, so. There's so, a lot of people trying to take advantage. Oh, of that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, it's financial guys from time to time as well. He had a lock on all of those people. So, he had guys that he can point you to. So, uh, for people that are just coming to Philadelphia, even whether you're a rookie or not, he was able to help you out a whole bunch. The other thing that Harold. He was did, your guy. He was my guy. No. Yeah. What, what Harold did over and above that one job was that every day during practice he spotted the ball so you know like it's first yep. down first and 10 ball in the right hash he would yell right hash put the ball down i mean every th- hands. i mean it was just, i mean he's huge and he's he just a great a- personality took care of everybody great man he was there he worked for the eagles for another 25 30 yeah. years great dude now
0: uh, he's going to the hall of
2: fame when he retired he, he was the leading receiver uh yards yes. every every record Catching the football-wise, yep. in, in the Philadelphia Eagles history, Harold Carmichael owned it in an era where they weren't throwing the ball like that. So it was pretty cool to see him. It,
0: it's interesting. In Did you see them. the video, though, of Drew Pearson today? Yeah, yeah, not he happy. Upset. He was disappointed. And I, I think it's important to see that side because, look, I get it. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to upset partners and stuff like that. But this has been a very interesting time with the way social media is going and with the way they did it with Jimmy Johnson, the way they did it with Bell Cower, where it's like, isn't the Hall of Fame great? There's a lot of people that are waiting that are not getting the call yeah. that really should have gotten the call. Yeah. Like like I said this earlier, I go, the fact that Bill Cower got in before Mike Holmgren no. is insane. 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 But one of them has a television job and one of them doesn't. And I think you need to start piecing that together, but I think it's important to see somebody like Drew Pearson, a three-time All-Pro, three-time Pro Pro Bowler, also around his time, one of the best that's ever done it, that when he was probably in his, whatever, 10th year, people were saying future Hall of Famer Drew Pearson, to see what it's like to not get that call. And we don't see that enough. It's weird to see it in his
2: particular instance because he obviously didn't get it right after he retired. And now, I don't know, he retired with... Forty well, it's years a ago. Centennial class. Yeah, right. that's like, why. yeah I understand. But yeah. I mean, this still been a long time since he retired until now, to so the centennial deal even came out. And so it was kind of weird that he had that 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 a response. The reason why
1: I liked it is because when they always ask people, well, you didn't make it this year into the Hall of Fame, how you feel? Well, you know, there's always next year. I'll be okay. It's not something that I need. You are being dedicated and nominated as one of the greatest players to ever play the game, to sit here and say, oh, well, no, it really doesn't matter that much to me. This is different than anything when it comes to, to the Pro Bowl, when it comes to how well-known you are, how well the people and the fans respond to you. Are you in newspapers? This is strictly about your play on the field. So I think it was good to see that reaction out of Drew Pearson. And to go back to what you said about Bill Cowher, and yeah. getting in because of his television show. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to rain. No, no, play. no, 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 not at all. But just think about it. If Randy Moss didn't get on TV and people see the personality of him on Fox and now ESPN, oh. he would have been just like Terrell Owens. He's a bad person. He was bad in the locker room, and then all of a sudden, people see, wow, he tells great stories. He's funny. It completely changed people's perception, regardless of the numbers. On Ray the Lewis, same thing.
0: Yeah, I, and look, I've said this for a long time. Terrell Davis and Kurt Warner should not have gotten in as quickly as they did. No, they're
2: not 1st ballot. Game.
0: No, Terrell no. Davis has 55th most rushing yards in NFL history, and he got in, like, 1st bout He had, like, three seasons. In a short not period of time. saying he didn't deserve it. I'm just saying I think being on TV helped because, look, my thing with Drew Pearson is what I want to avoid is Hall of Fame-level guys— Getting in after they die, Mm -hmm. which is what happened to Ken Stabler. Yeah. Ken Stabler should have been in, but he died and then the Hall of Fame went, crap, let's induct him the next year. And so I know that we want to get guys that are relevant because always remember that the Hall of Fame, like everything else, is a business. Yeah. The reason they induct people that are relevant is to get people to go visit to buy tickets to get in. Right. Never forget that. And it's a great thing. Like it's a it's an incredible organization and how they, they maintain legacies of guys forever, but there are guys that are being passed up for dudes that are yeah. not as qualified. Like Dick Vermeil not getting in before Bill Cower is crazy to me. Yeah. That's crazy to me.
1: The one thing I will say though, which I was very excited who got in. My man, Jimbo Cover, Chicago mm-hmm. Bears. Growing up, I had those posters on my wall. Black and Blues Brothers, him, Tom Thayer, Keith Van Horn, their offensive line, yeah. dressing up like the old Blues Brothers. And the reason why it meant so much to me for him to get in, because as a kid, he was the first offensive lineman I ever truly watched as a player. Because I'll never forget coming in off of the street on the south side of Chicago, scoring the game-winning touchdown on out on the street and walking towards my house and seeing my dad and my two brothers laughing at me. Here I am excited. I just scored the game <laughs> winner. And they're laughing at me. You're and I walk into ne- the house. You're never going to catch them. That's exactly what they said. They're like, you might as well throw that down in that smile because you will never do that if you play football in your life. <laughs> so I came in and John Madden was doing that Chicago Bears game on that Sunday after scoring it. Talking about offensive linemen. And the first offensive lineman he identified was was Jimbo Covert. And from that point on, it meant that much to me to watch the O-line play, appreciate where I would be in the future when I decided to play football and when I got that opportunity. And for him to get in, we all know about his stories, him being Dan Marino's roommate, getting to the Chicago Bears, being a part of the all-decade team, obviously winning the Super Bowl. He was uh, a lineman of the year in 86. What a great career he had, and it was great to see him get that.
0: I'm glad you brought him up, because offensive linemen, all I hear on the broadcast from former players, people that know the game is you win the game in the trenches, yeah. right? They literally say, Absolutely. that's how you win the game. College football announces their 11 best players of all time. <laughs> they go like 200 deep. I'm not seeing hardly any defenders on there, and I'm not seeing any offensive linemen. I look at the finalists, the 15 finalists of the, the, the recent generation that's up for the Hall of Fame this year, and I'm seeing names that are up there, For, like, their fifth year, Alan Fanica. His third year, Steve Hutchinson. His fourth year, Tony Mm Baselli, And these are all guys that, when they were playing, were called future hall of famers yeah. like Alan Fanica and Steve Hutchinson. They weren't Mr. It was future hall of famer, Steve Hutchinson,
1: zero question
0: about it. Yeah. Hey, how did, how did Sean Alexander get 37 touchdowns? Steve Hutchinson. Uh, how did Jerome Bettis get all those yards? Alan Fanica. Like, yeah, you just, you look at these guys and they don't have the statistics. It doesn't make sense. Like I, I interviewed Richard she- Seymour and I go, the fact that you're a finalist as a three, four defensive end, with like 56 and a half career sacks yep. shows how good you were because you were on the Patriots who were never going to let you get after the passer. You had like seven sacks. It was like a big year. Yeah. And then we look at these guys now, like the specialists are the one that are going to get in. I just, there there needs to be some other ways because. Well, those are the moneymakers And you already said. Those are the guys that bring the attention to
2: the game. The same yeah. way that the game yeah. now is about quarterbacks and throwing the ball down the field. That's the understanding that yeah. the money makers, the guys are in their exciting positions. The, the specialists,
0: for the most part, those are the guys going to get in. Isaac Bruce does not like doing interviews mm-hmm. at all, and he just he's, he's yeah. just like he's like I should get in based on the merit of what I did right. and my statistics. We'll look at the stats, and he goes, he goes, but I have to do these, yeah, because I have to get my name out there because it, it matters. Yes. Yeah. it's
1: odd. And in regards to the offensive line and what you're talking about is because people don't know the complexity of the game from the trenches it's easy to see a wide receiver make a play a running back running back make a play a defensive back make an interception but you truly don't know if you don't understand offensive line play how to evaluate who's good or who's not. Right. Because on TV, all you basically hear about an offensive lineman is when something went wrong. They have a penalty. They right. gave up a sack. It's not the positive sides of that. So for people to sit here and say, oh, he was a great offensive lineman, they can't because they don't understand the yeah. complexity of what it takes. That's He's why John you're Madden amazing. It's yeah.
2: either you're dominant like uh, right. Quinton Nelson, Nelson gets a lot of attention and, right now. Uh, Jonathan Ogden. J O. I mean, yeah. just I mean, when you're dominant like that, they see it. When mm-hmm. you're just when you're good, but you're an interior guy, you're, you're yeah. probably yeah, you're, 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 you're covered up. The time.
0: But that's why John Madden was the best. Oh yeah, because John highlighted Madden it. would circle him and he would talk about those. guys. Nate Newton sweat and look at uh, the big
1: pile of sweat. It
0: was great, and he hearing, brought you into that circle. Hearing John Madden talk about Larry Allen.
1: Love Larry oh, Allen. Like
0: watching the Cowboys on like a on a Sunday. I went, oh, my first boom, look at
1: him, yeah, it was great. My he rolls him all the way to the other sideline.
2: <laughs> I'm standing in the lobby and I see Larry Allen and Lincoln Kennedy get out of a like a Lincoln town car. And the entire and car must have shot. The, the up. damn car was on the ground. <laughs> just literally on the ground and it just erased them. I'm looking at him like, wow. But I mean he's a grown man. So, anyways,
1: I had I had buddies in, we're in San Francisco with him. And the strength coach early on, right when they got there and Larry's there, strength coach is like giving Larry Allen shit because he's not doing the workouts they said. Mm-hmm. Larry Allen goes loaded up. They put 405 on it. He does it 10 times, gets up, looks at the strength coach, goes, I think I know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah, I walked away. Just like that. That's a grown man that you do not touch and that you do not mess with. I'll never forget when we played in the playoff game against the Cowboys in 07, there's a play that going back and watching film, he literally picked up Antonio Pierce and walked him off of the screen. It wasn't literally like he just picked him up and threw him. He got his hands inside, had him by the shoulder pads and literally just lifted him, walked him off the
0: screen. That was my my favorite part of the book blind side, because the movie is all about like yeah the, the relationships but like the first two chapters of the book are all about how the left tackle came to be because of Lawrence Taylor yep. that you needed athleticism
1: the 49ers the, moving a tight end to yes. tackle and that started everything but
0: the high school stories about like Jonathan Ogden mm-hmm. about like him like outrunning the running back yep and and realizing, like, those are the best athletes. That's, that's what it comes There's to a mind.
1: high school picture of Jonathan Ogden what? and I, other I people around him and running backs that you, you can't even see anybody.
2: It looks like he's a 30-year-old we, around we preschoolers. We have to deal with this running back. Okay. So, like not, said, the best athletes now. I mean, you went a little – they're great athletes, not the best athletes.
0: I would say, though, that, like, Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. right, and, like, what he is capable of. I've always said that, like, really athletic defensive linemen and, like, the, like Quentin Nelson being able to do what he can do, I think is just as impressive as like the Julio Joneses of the world. It's different. You know what I mean? Like their end goals are. Think different. about the physicality it takes to get it done. Yeah. Like you, y'all can do nothing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? I just, like you know, you guys, you guys like you can you can rest on the sideline for a play. Yes. You don't have to come in. Yeah, or oh, true. it's not coming to me.
2: Uh, um, I'm gonna take it easy. Well, yeah, I mean, well, you can make a lot of different arguments there. Of course. A of lot course. Of arguments. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, oh, well, just think about this. Yeah, please. If it's a ninety yard touchdown, the the offensive linemen aren't running at ninety yards. Random question. We're running to celebrate. We're not if running, running with accelerate sideline. <laughs> if you were on the round. Chiefs, if
0: you were on the Chiefs <laughs> right. and you were running for a touchdown. Would you be checking the monitor to see if Tyree Killen is Absolutely. trying to outrun you?
2: I, I, I would just, I would that's already, his game. in that my is, mind, I would already think he's coming. And I'm just still trying to haul ass just to get into the end zone so that he doesn't beat me there. But I would stiff arm him. It was going to happen. If he came up by the line, right. <laughs> yes, that's
1: the way to go about it. <laughs> Either that or cut him off. Yeah. yeah. But the one off. thing you're worried about, if you cut him off, he might trip up your foot. Both of you yeah. guys yeah. trip. You might go down. I'm tripping for sure. Think about, the, think about this in this past weekend's game. Think about the speed of Derrick Henry that Marcus Peters was the only guy that could catch him. Yeah. That's saying a lot about a man that's over 240 pounds running downhill at that he speed. He ran a 4 four forty.
0: And, and the thing is, is he doesn't look like he's running that hard. No, no, I tweeted that he looks like he's running an NFL 2K5. Like it's like an old video. For <laughs> he's covering a, right. yeah. a lot of ground.
1: A lot of ground at East Drive. Long strides, yeah. high knees. It's incredible.
0: What's so funny is when Adrian Peterson came out, That was the knock against him. He runs too upright. Yes. You know, the knock against Derrick Henry. He runs too upright. When you're built like a Mack truck, the body parts got to go somewhere.
1: But the thing that he does, though, is that when people do come, because number one, the contact, he gets low. He always has the other shoulder leading when it's coming. And the other thing that they've coached in Tennessee, which you can see it happen, his stiff arm. So oh. what the way that they practice with the running backs in Tennessee is, so they have a drill where the running backs run them with the ball, and from the one side where you have your open arm, they have the uh, on a, a, a big pole, a helmet, so that you have to stiff arm it. And on the other side, they're having somebody to tug the football. Nice. At. So you have to have the balance to be able to push off. You've seen him do it his entire career.
0: I'm sure that when – were you there when Tiki had his fumbling problem? Yes, I was. Was it like the program – where like, he just had to carry a ball around everywhere. Darnell Jefferson, he's yeah.
1: walking like this everywhere. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you'd see, you would see him running on the treadmill. He'd have that football tucked away. You'd see him on an exercise bike. He had that football. We'd be running sprints. He'd have that thing tucked away. When he left the building, he wasn't going to class holding it. Yeah. But when we had anything inside that building that year going into 2005 and 2006— try and six, and punch it? Not not until when we'd be going out to practice. Like if you're walking down the hallway, people weren't jamming at it. But if it was any time like a practice day and stuff like that, and he had it, locker room he's walking by, it was open game to try hitting.
2: What? When I was in San Fran, I think I told you this story. I was in San Fran, Singletary was a coach. One of the guys fumbled, in the gap, might have been Frank. And uh, Mike Singletary comes into the next meeting, the first, first day, Monday, whatever it was, said, listen, this is what we're going to do. Everybody on the field during practice is going to hold the ball. I'm gonna go around during practice and try to <laughs> knock the ball out. And if you fumble, you got to run laps. So the first day, it might have been 30 people fumble. So during practice, now this is we were we were six yeah. and ten. Explains a lot. <laughs> we have 30 guys running laps during the damn practice while we're running plays, offenses, defensive plays. We got guys just running laps. It was, it was terrible idea. Absolutely terrible idea. But that's what Mike Singletary you know what was all about. You never realized. I don't know. Can't, like, do I, can't do it. Can't do it.
0: <laughs> I've never really looked up, like, the best running backs of all time and, like, how many times they've fumbled. Like, fumble rates and stuff uh-huh. like that. Like, I'd be curious. You see like, what sweatshirt I'm wearing? Oh, sweetness. I love it's my Peyton. favorite of all time. Still
2: to this day, favorite who, player. Who
0: was your favorite running back
2: of all time? When I was growing up, it was Walter Payton. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was.
0: So that was – you guys are kind of the era before me.
2: Well, he, yeah. he was the best in the league at yeah. the time. Because, like,
0: I grew up thinking, like, Barry Sanders. Like, I caught the end yeah, of Yeah, the end of
2: it,
1: yeah.
0: But Walter, I never got to watch it live. I watch the highlights now, and it's still wildly impressive.
2: He used to have videos out, like his yeah, workout videos yeah. running up and down running the hill. Running was a part of it. Yeah. yeah.
0: It was also the fact that they both shared a similar thing in common where it was like Barry didn't have a great defense, but it was like the entire offense was built around them. Oh yeah. And they
1: had to do everything. Until Jim McMahon got there in Chicago and would audible and check out a plays that Ditka would send in. Yeah. That was the only time that it all switched. And figure there was a game where I think Walter Payton had over three hundred yards of total offense and they
0: won the game like fourteen to ten.
1: <laughs> because there was nobody else out on the football field with
0: them. Yeah. Uh did you guys watch the national championship game? Yep. Yes. The amount of NFL talent on the field Crazy. Nice. was wild. Crazy. The Simmons kid, number 11 for Clemson, who sometimes they were calling him a safety, sometimes they were calling him a linebacker, sometimes they were calling him a pass rusher, and I was like, this kid is 6'4", <clears throat> 250, 240, yeah. and he is defending, he's guarding tight ends, wide receivers, and running backs. So the wide receivers on the field, yeah. both quarterbacks, Speed, Speed. Barrow and Trevor, were wh- is Barrow is one hundred percent the first quarterback taken. You think he's going yes. to Cincinnati? Yeah. What did you guys just think of the game? Like, what what was your takeaway from that game?
2: It was amazing to me. I mean, to to think that Clemson hadn't lost a game in so long, and and they've played on this level for a long time. But to watch the speed of the game in yeah. college continue to increase quarter by quarter, it was pretty cool. But I think to your earlier point to see the amount of NFL players on one field at yeah. one time, yep. you're just watching it like, wow. Because it it was times back in, I'm thinking of the Miami days. Remember when Miami had sure. yep. SAP and all those guys? They
0: they had a – 2000, well, that was like 96. Yeah. A, and then
2: in 01, they had all those guys. The 01 team had like right. 30 NFL They had yeah. all NFL players. It yep. felt like that again. It did.
0: Where, where you're just watching
2: NFL players right, playing in college uniforms, but these are NFL guys right now. It was pretty cool to watch. It was awesome. Well, one thing about the the, the national championship game, it's too long. Oh. Meaning don't It was a 45 minute halftime. Well not not the actual game. I'm talking about the don't distance play. that it took yes. to get to it. Yeah. How many weeks is going to be? I forgot that they were still playing college football. I had no clue that the national championship game hadn't been played yet because yeah. it was a, yeah. like a month after damn, the damn the last game. It was just crazy. It's just I too will much. say,
0: though, it's, the playoffs has relegated every other bowl to, like, really unimportant. Right?
2: Yeah. yeah like, yeah. I
0: didn't pay attention to bowl season
1: at all. There was, like, a tropical smoothie bowl. There's just Always. so many of them out there now.
0: What is your, what is your expectation level, though, of Burrow – in the NFL. Like what, what did you guys see from him in terms of going, he can go to Cincinnati and he can be the guy?
1: I think that with the coaching staff and obviously the new head coach Taylor, I think that they've got a offense that they can groom around him, but we know that they still got missing pieces. They got to figure out what they're gonna do with AJ Green. You know, Joe Mixon was the only real weapon other yeah. outside of Boyd that they had this season. Their biggest problem though is in order for Burrow to have the type of season yeah. they want him to have. They've got to fix that offensive line. Jonah Williams obviously getting that's hurt in training so camp big. absolutely killed them, but they've got to solidify that offensive line. Yeah. They started with Billy Price, then they got Jonah Williams. That's the key. If they get, can get some bookend offensive tackles that can grow at the same time and at the same level as him, that's where you have that continued success because that's what happened with for us with Eli Manning. Figure we started off, that was my second year, that was Snee's first year, that was O'Hara's fourth year, that was Kareem's fourth year. We all as an offensive line grew in that offense at the same time together. Right. That's what they need to do for Burrow.
0: The when I look at Burrow, he just he has that it factor. Yeah. Where he's always calm, he's always under control. He's getting shots in the ribs, mm-hmm. coming back like it's nothing. The the accuracy, the timing that he has, because what I've realized is like I look at Trevor Lawrence and I go, he's stronger than Burrow mm-hmm. physically. He can throw it further, he's more athletic, but Accuracy, I just I hear it from the, the best coaches of the game, whether it's Mike Leach or Sean Payton, you can't teach that. And you can't gain
1: accuracy. That's where Josh Allen drops so far.
0: And that's and that's why he falls. But I, I look at Burrow and I go, When you go to a losing organization, you need to have that certain it factor where it's just like a middle finger to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And and the young guys have it right now. Mahomes has that it factor. Lamar has that it deshaun. Has an yes. it factor. And so even when things are going wrong, there's something about when your quarterback has it. Like after Eli did it the first time, when, whenever y'all got into a situation again, you're like, did you see what he did that last time? He's got it under control. He's got it,
2: you know? The other thing about Joe Barrow is he's going to be older than all of the young, well, the, 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 the yeah. other quarterbacks coming out. Being 23 already, he has a maturity level that we're looking for from Baker. You're looking for from other quarterbacks. Right. And when you're talking about a franchise that has not been good in a long time, you're going to need a guy that has maturity, that's going to say, okay, guys, that was a bad series. That was a bad game. That was a bad couple of games. We can win another couple of games here. up." And And for him to have the winning pedigree coming out of college, going into the NFL, that's going to help him in the NFL a bunch.
1: One of the biggest things that I love about him was he's no silver spoon. No, it was not given to him. He fucking earned everything that he has. It wasn't, it wasn't
0: a 23 year old. That was like, hold me back a few years so I can excel. It was like, no, I have to transfer. It's not working out at Ohio state.
1: I got to transfer LSU's open me with open arms. And from that point on, He bet on himself. It's on him to get the job done. So I think the fact that he took college football and LSU by storm with having a quarterback that we have never seen have that type of explosive offense. They've had the running backs. They've had the receivers. But they've never truly had a pro-style quarterback to get it done. So he deserves all the attention and all the praise that he's gotten. Well-spoken guy. One of the best Heisman speeches ever. And for him to go to Cincinnati, there's more invested into it because he's from there.
0: Oh, that's what I was
1: saying, too. He played high school football there. He went to Ohio State. So not only is it going to bring fans that were Bengals fans and people from Ohio to games, but he knows that when he goes there, he's the pride of that state. And what he does week in and week out is not only going to embody the Bengals, but it's going to embody what Ohio is about.
0: Yeah, it's really uh, the only people I feel bad for would be the Browns. Because it's there's something about having somebody that's playing in their hometown. I saw an interview with Paul George. I think it came out today, and he was talking about I'm not playing for the Clippers. I'm playing for my city. Yeah, and it's you know the the what it can bring out of you is is amazing. It's a good feeling.
2: It's, just, it's almost like when you go from back to your home to play. Like when I went back to DC to play yeah. against the Redskins, I was like, ah. Oh. Now you got to show out. If you had that feeling every day, right. every game... Did you have that in Chicago, too? Absolutely. That was, that was a good feeling. One of the greatest feelings ever to see people wearing
1: half Bears, half Giants stuff, mm-hmm. your family there, but your intentions to go there, we're going to lay it on them, and we're going to put it on them, and we're walking away with our head held high, knowing that we won this football game.
0: Did your parents and your families, did they immediately switch to rooting for you guys, or were they still Bears fans, or were they still Washington fans?
2: You know, my, my parents... They didn't love the Redskins growing up. So they, they were like, you know, whatever team I went to, they were going to support me in that way. So they turned Eagles fans, and they still are Eagles fans. Then my brother went and played for the for Redskins. Washington, yeah. So they had the little conflict there. Yeah. But I mean, other than that, I mean, listen, I think our parents, for the most part, are like, hey, I'm going to support you. As a as a man and as a player, as my child, whatever team you were on, that's the team I'm. What assist- about you? Well, my
1: dad was a uh, Redskins fan, so that's why I was used to watching the NFC East games. But the minute that I became a Giant, obviously switched over. And my brother was actually a Cowboys fan because of the Great Wall of Dallas, the offensive right. line. Yeah. So watching football growing up, we watched Bears games and we watched Cowboys and Redskins. So yeah. I was used to the NFC East, but the minute that I was drafted by the New York Giants. All those allegiances went to the side.
0: I asked this because this off season, I interviewed Kevin Byard, yeah. safety on the Titans. Yep. he's from Philly, and his entire family is Eagles fans, and they have not given it up. Well, figure yeah. Saquon's dad. They had that discussion right. this right. year. Yeah, but he he was telling me in the off season, he's like Titans play the Eagles, and they're all in the in the family section wearing Eagles gear, and they're like, no, no, no. like we're still rooting for you.
2: We just want to wear the Eagles. I wonder jersey. if the Titans were a little bit better, would they have switched over? Because that, he, when he got drafted, the Titans, they still weren't there. Yeah, bad, they're still right? not there Yeah, yet. yeah. So may,
0: maybe that might have helped a little bit. Um, before we get into the games this weekend, which Deal texted me and he goes, I'm so excited for these games. Oh, man. So I'm, I'm excited to hear your breakdown, especially because we have a team in the Titans that I feel like speaks to the core of who you are as a human. Yes. Um, but first, the team that you're still involved with, the Giants, yep. went through a huge transition. Yeah. And I think it shocked a lot of people that had never heard of Joe Judge. I have been hearing him about Joe Judge forever because I'm always looking at the Patriots staff. Like, I I think it's like part of this job is to like, okay, whoever's on Bill Belichick's staff could end up being a head coach eventually. You should know them. This guy's been there for eight years. From the press conference, I don't know if you've had any interaction with him. What is the vibe right now in there as it relates to Joe Judge?
1: Well, first, I didn't know him before I met him last week before the press conference and got to spend some time talking to him. So when the hire happened, I knew about him. I knew his background. I knew who he was. I called guys like Matthew Slater, Rob Ninkovich, and everybody gave nothing but rave reviews about him as an individual, about as a man. They said he is a guy that is a disciplinarian. He holds you accountable. But at the same time, he has a human side. If you're sitting there laughing and people are telling jokes, he'll be the first one to come up and make fun of you and say right. something. But when tough times and adversity hits, he'll be the first one to look at you and say, If you want to do your job, you better fix this motherfucker. And he'll correct it. So the fact that he has that balance with players... Players respect it. And the thing that I like that he brought in now to this Giants culture and to the organization is the fact that he's not going to be wearing two hats. The fact that he is just the head coach and that he's not sitting there switching back before, between offensive coordinator and head coach because that's been a problem, obviously. That's what Shermer was doing. That's what and Shermer was, and And do. Yeah. And what happens is, is that if you don't have a defensive coordinator that you fully believe in, Now, all of a sudden, when you're trying to talk to the quarterback or talk to the offense and paying attention to the game, you lose track of the momentum. You lose track of those key turning point plays, and you lose... The time management aspect right. that you have to have as a head coach. So, I, I like the fact that he's worked with players from one to 99 on a roster. He's worked with the wide redivas. He's worked with the linebackers. So, he knows how to work with those personalities and he looks as a roster at a roster, not in just, okay, this guy does this. What are the strengths and how do we magnify them? Yeah. The other thing that I love that he talked about in his press conference was. Being able to be multiple, being able to be a ad- change and be able to make those adjustments on the fly. That's something that we didn't see out of these two previous staffs. And people are like, well, well does it make that big of a difference? When we played the Patriots in Super Bowl 46 in Indianapolis, the first half of that game, they're playing all three, four. But they were thought that they'd be able to stop the run and limit play action. We get a mod Bradshaw starting to go. Now, all of a sudden, we get into the second half of that game. We make our adjustments. We're talking about what we're going to do. The first drive of that second half, they completely changed philosophies defensively. Went to a 4-3 stack. We're not letting you run. We're going to try to make you throw it to the outside. If you don't have a veteran team that can make that adjustment on the move in a game like that, you're over you're done with because now all of a sudden you're playing catch up with your scheme right. and they're running things straight downhill from you. So I think that's another great advantage that he's seen that play out throughout his time, other at Alabama or in new, uh, New England. But the big thing that he has to do is he's got to get a staff together that's that he I was going to and that he believes in and that can do the job to where he doesn't have to micromanage.
0: When you start really working in businesses and you realize that like a really great CEO is important, but like, his lieutenants are almost more important. Yeah. So when I see today that they're bringing in Jason Garrett to interview for the OC position, um, I don't know. Does that excite you as somebody that's around the organization? Well, the thing that it would say is, is that obviously
1: he's had time with, you go back to Saban. Yes. So the connection with Garrett and Saban started back in Miami. So, you know, that him and Joe judge have had a relationship. They know each other. I wouldn't mind it because of the fact that he would be a coordinator and not the head coach. And the thing that he would be able to do was help when it comes to some of the head coaching decisions and the things that do come along with it. Jason Garrett was my backup quarterback my rookie season. So I've had a relationship with him throughout that entire time. What was it like
0: to watch the media make fun of him for the last five years? Well, you know, obviously
1: when you're a head coach or when you're a football player, they're going to say what they want to say because when things are going well, they're doing this, and when things aren't, they're doing this to you under the table. So you never take those things into account. I I think that it would be valuable to him, but then also, once again, going to it with Jason Garrett, getting that job be now pressing himself to get another head coaching opportunity, or would he use it as strictly, I'm back in the NFL, I'm an O coordinator, that's all I want to take care of. Those are the things you don't know when something's taken away from you like it was in Dallas. Sounds like you have confidence in him, though, Judge. I do. I have confidence in him. You think he has potential. I do, as long as he gets a staff around him that can get the job done. We're talking about offensive line coaches. They're saying this is another one, possibly Bill Callahan. Long-time NFL coach, wow. unbelievable also offensive the fact line that coach. the
0: Giants would take Callan from Washington and yeah. Garrett from Dallas. Yeah. The intel you get from both of them and the rivalries that you're kind of really flaring up is kind of special. You know, one of the things that uh, we we had an experience with
2: John Harbaugh. Obviously, he's had a lot of success in Baltimore, but I had him as a special teams coach when he I first came. recruited me to
1: Indiana. Really? Yeah. Back in high school, yeah. Wow. I mean, he, yeah, he how was, about that?
2: He was, I mean, and this is what, and you mentioned it, this is what special teams coaches have to do. Because as a player, you come out into the league, you want to play offense or defense. This is where I'm going to make my name. I want yeah. to play offense or defense. Special teams coaches have to say, hey, Adam, hey, hey, David, you're not playing offense or defense. You're coming to come in here, you're going to work your ass off every single day, and no one's going to praise you, but the special teams guys are going to appreciate what you do. And now I have to find a way to motivate you guys that don't want to focus on this to be able to do it. Special teams coaches find a way to do that. The other thing, that I learned from Hardball was that he was one of the best at situational football. He would come in and say, "Hey, it's fourth and three. The ball's on the thirty. Are we going to punt? Are we going right. to you know?" Because he has it? to because yeah.
0: he because he's sitting there and like you were say, like you were saying before about how offensive linemen only get spotlight when they make a mistake. The only time that the Texans special teams coordinator was going to get airtime was when that fake punt. That's right. That's <laughs> right. You know what I mean? 100%. Like they, I didn't even know who he was, and they're like, or, "Oh, or here there's he a is.
1: kickoff return, and, and then it's like, "Hey, here's the special they have teams." To, coach. They have
0: to be perpetually ready for what are we going to do, what what team are we going to send out there, what roster absolutely that makes a lot of sense.
2: One of the other things I always appreciated about Andy Reid was that he's able to coach. So he's able to coach offensive linemen, get your hands inside, the technique, yep. you know, you kick step with your left foot. Same thing with running backs. You step up in the hole, you block, you catch the ball like this. John Harbaugh, because on special teams, you do so many different things. Yep. He had the ability to teach what you block, and if this looks like you're going to block in the back, you use your backside to kind of wiggle your way through, and you, this is how you block on the run. And if you're on punt team, this is how you kind of go back and, and you block that way, and this is how you tackle. Joe Judge will have the ability, he coached wide receivers, yeah. he will have the ability to help a lot of different players and speak to those players. And as a coach, that's how you get a handle on your team a little bit as well.
1: Especially a special teams coach. When you go up in one week, you're all a sitting here saying to your middle linebacker, hey, We got somebody down on the kickoff team. I need you this week. Not to mention, think about how fast and how quick those special teams coaches have to make decisions in game. Think about somebody gets hurt. They got to make the communication. They got to pull somebody up. Quick switch. We got to be ready for an alert field goal. We got to be ready for punt. And the fact that that special teams coach works hand in hand and, and knows what's going on offensively and defensively,
0: you've got your pulse on the game. Yeah. My other thing, too, as I said this before, is the one franchise that Belichick's not going to lie to is the is Giants. The Giants. Yeah. So that is for real. Uh, the other side of this is that uh, – Vic Fangio fires Rich Scangarello, the OC in Denver. And it didn't make a lot of sense to me because I loved Denver's offense this year. And look at how I, well Drew Locke I played down I thought Drew the Locke stretch. developed. I thought the way they used Philip Lindsay, the way they really developed Cortland Sutton, There's a lot of good motion. So something must have happened there. Or Vic Fangio read the tea leaves and was like, oh, Shermer's getting fired, and I have a relationship with him, and I'd rather have an experienced guy in here. What's interesting with Shermer is when you look at his career now, I think Daniel Jones played well under Shermer as a I rookie. agree. Case Keenum had his best year ever with Pat Shermer. Nick Foles had his best year ever with Pat Shermer. I don't think Pat Shermer is a bad head coach. Um, I think that. There were holes in the organization. It probably wasn't as disciplined, but his scheme is pretty good sometimes to open it up. But I'm curious, him going to Denver, how that's gonna? I just I didn't understand the firing of Scangarello because that was the Kyle Shanahan guy, and that didn't make sense. But what about Shermer getting a job right away?
1: Well, well, one thing I obviously, when it comes to Coach Shermer, he's one of the greatest men that you'll ever meet in your life. He's He's a great dude. You know, you're guy. You know, he's a
0: good guy. When other coaches get fired and you're the interim head coach. Yep. Happened in Philadelphia. Yeah. Happened, it happened like Cleveland as well. Cause they go, you're the adult in the organization. Yeah. So, Clearly, he's the guy.
1: You know where, obviously, when you look at his tenure as, as under the Giants, number one, how bad the defense has played over the last two years. Not it, his side of the ball. Your, not it limits your exposure and what you can do on the offensive side of the ball. But then also, I think one of the big things that people forget that would have changed the culture and the coaching for the New York Giants is when Pat Shermer was hired as the head coach of the Giants, who was the first person that he called? Kevin Stefanski. He wanted Kevin Stefanski as his offensive coordinator. So he would have just had the title as head coach, not coordinator as well. But the Vikings blocked it. I think that if that maybe would have happened, I think that he would have had a better tenure and a better overall look than doing both, wearing both hats and trying to do everything when your defense isn't stopping people regardless. But the thing that why they made that move now, because when you do see the potential out of Drew Luck and you do see the way that he's been able to play – If you're going to make a change, you want to do it now so he's not learning bad habits that you're going to change two, three years down the road. If you know something's not working, take care of it now. If you're a GM and a player that you drafted doesn't fit your culture, isn't getting the job done, you letting him hang around like he's on scholarship does nothing good for the locker room because the rest of the locker room knows this guy is never going to play on the football field. Why is he even still here? I know. And then
0: all of a sudden it lets people get complacent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's because everybody always looks at the weakest link. Yeah. And they go, I'm doing better than that guy. It's like, no, man. That's (laughs) That's not the way to look. That shouldn't
2: be your goal.
1: You should be looking at making sure you're doing better than the guy at your position on other 31 teams in the NFL.
0: Uh, Westbrook, you're in the backfield, you scan left, you scan right, and you look across the line, and there's Luke Kuechly. What was that like?
2: So this is the thing that offenses, the advantage that you want to have. The advantage that you want to have is that you want to make sure that the defense is guessing to what you're going to do. Run pass. They think it's a run and it's a pass. You have an advantage. Obviously, conversely, the other way, same exact thing. The 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 hard part about playing against a smart player like Luke Keekley was that he already knew whether it was a run or a pass because yep. he looked at the guard and saw that he's sitting a little light or he's pulling. We already knew. He already knew where the play was going. He already knew that it was third and ten and we love the screen pass. And so now not only do you have to try to outsmart him with motions and screens and shifts and things like that, you got to now physically be better than him because he's already going to be in place. And so the hard part about playing against him, number one, he knows what the play is. Number two, he was faster than all of our offensive linemen, so it was almost impossible to block him. So the goal for most offensive linemen is to get up to the second level and be able to take care of that second level. You couldn't do that to him. He was too quick. He had his great swim move. He would get around the offensive lineman. And so now, as a running back, you're getting contacted maybe one yard past the line of scrimmage versus three or four if you're getting it blocked from the offensive lineman on the linebacker. And so when you when you play it against him, he's smarter, he's faster, he's quicker, and he can make plays if he's in the middle of the field, yeah. he can on the right side, yeah. he can make them on the left side. So it, it was – as a running back, you're thinking – He's always here. And the only one thing that I want you guys to do, offensive linemen, is to block that guy. And no one can do it. they just not fast enough. Like they're not suffocating? good it's suff- That's yeah. exactly what it is. He's always
1: there. And he was that good. One of the things that, that I didn't learn this literally until today, when we would play Carolina and you'd hear Keekly, we'd line up in a formation and you could hear him say, it's either this, yes. this, or that. He would have already would broken down a options. probability based upon what formation that you're in of the top three plays that you can run out of it. Nine times out of ten, you are running, running one of the three. That's right. And you would be there in a chess match. You'd check, he'd check. And you'd be doing it to where there's ten seconds left on the clock, but the way that he was a leader and could communicate, even with that much dial down, he would still be able to communicate from the back end all the way down to the front yeah. end versatility the fact that he was a three down linebacker and you never had to take never. him off of the field you never had to worry because he was just as strong up against the run as he was in coverage and the fact that it was him and thomas davis and the last unreal. the last thing that i will say that people always talked about when he came out of college his knock was well, because he's not so big, he runs around blocks. Well, maybe it's the fact that he is the only linebacker that if you're running a toss or a pitch to the perimeter to your right, that he could run through the front side A or B gap and still run it down to the outside. Maybe that's a reason why he can run around blocks.
0: It's It, is, it's, it goes back to what we were saying before about the draft to like Derrick Henry and stuff. We find ways to poke holes because draft season's so long. From right now until April. Yeah. We get tired of saying this guy is great. And we want to find the holes. Because I remember him coming out of Boston College yeah. and being like, I don't know, can he handle the NFL? Um, I, it's tough because he's 28 years old and he's retiring. Mm. And the image that stuck in my head is still the one from two years ago when he where crying. he got the concussion yeah. and he was crying. I've talked about on this podcast before. He wore a Q collar for the last two years. The woodpecker thing. The yeah. Q collar. It would put pressure on his neck, and what it would do is it would increase swelling of his brain so that it wouldn't bounce around as much.
1: And he'd get the fluid to his brain like a woodpecker. And and
0: because what—I didn't know this about woodpeckers. They have a long tongue, and when they're banging their head, they tighten their neck with their tongue to do the same thing. And so this guy still played two years after a moment that was ingrained in my brain of, of, it's time for you to leave. And it is— it is interesting that, uh, I, I can't remember who tweeted this out, that probably the two best inside linebackers of the last you know, 10, 15 years were Patrick Willis and Luke Kuechly. Yeah. And neither of them are playing past 28. And I think Luke Kuechly came out in this video where he said, you get your rookie deal, you get your second deal, you play as long as you can, and then you call it quits before it's too late. Yeah. And it's just the harsh reality where certain positions experience it more. Running backs and linebackers seem to be it. Offensive linemen, we're learning now with CT that those minor uh, collisions, collisions yeah. can really add but to it. But it's in a
1: confined area, it's not an open space as but much as other repeatedly, positions. It's just the running over and up. And, yeah. and
0: so um, I I feel sad about Luke Keekley and the fact that really it's a selfish sad because I wish we could see him more. Mm-hmm. Like I think about the Panthers, he's really become the face of that. But at the same point, I'm also happy that he feels as though he's been able to save enough for the rest of his life. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he is someone that goes into coaching. This is a guy that his rookie year did not get cable because he didn't want to be distracted from watching film. <laughs> like That's, so that's like, him. That sounds those, like a coach to me. That, those are the kind of yeah, psychos yeah. that are like, I just love film. Yeah. You're like,
2: you have no interpersonal skills. I think it's great that he's – he ret- I mean, here's the thing. And I remember when I had a concussion – And in in my mind, this was the beginning of this whole concussion thing. It happened to me. Monday Night Football got knocked out by London Fletcher, got hit right here on the field Sleep, Literally, my brother was on – we were in Washington. My brother's on the sideline, comes over. He said, you know, you were snoring. You're snoring on the field. And so after that, I did a bunch of research and had a, a lot of things going on. And I would talk to younger players. And they would all I would be like, listen, man, you've had four concussions already. You probably need to think a little bit, be smart about how much you want to play. And uh, to a man, all of them said, well, you know what, Wes? You've already got paid. And once you get paid, it's different. But yeah. I ain't got paid yet, and I got to make this money, so I ain't telling nobody anything. But the, the point was is that, he had a couple concussions. You, you always are concerned with that, with Ugh. the position. He's made enough money, hopefully, yeah, that he'll never have to work again. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm happy that he has a wherewithal to say, you know what, probably ain't going to win too much more here in, right. in Carolina. It's a whole new I'm, regime. I'm willing yeah. to step away and lead things the way that they were. Hopefully I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm, 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 I'm quality enough, and I'm happy enough with what I've made of myself in the NFL that I'm willing to walk away because there's a bunch of guys yes. that will never do that. We yeah.
0: were applauding Marshawn Lynch for getting up there and saying, take care of your mental, take care of your body, take care of your chickens. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest part to me is what you had to say to young people, which is I know that this is your life. yeah, And everything you've done has gone into this. And all we tell you is don't think about tomorrow. Think about today. And if you achieve success, it will take care of itself. At the same time, you need that other person in the back being like, you're going to live for 40 more years. Mm -hmm. You're going to live for 50 more years. And to have it, the game taken from you when you're not ready to, it's, it's a weird dichotomy. It is. Where you need to leave, but that's all you that's all you think you are at that time.
1: I was fortunate enough to retire on my own terms, walk away from the game after eleven unbelievable seasons. I was the oldest guy in the locker room at 33 years old. Mm. You have your entire life ahead of you to live. And that's one of the things that we and you did too, talking to the younger players. Whether you're in high school, college, or a professional, you've got an expiration date on you. There's going to be a time where your number is going to be called. Nine times out of ten, they're the one taking you off of the shelf. You're not taking yourself off of the shelf. And when you get taken off of the shelf, you're not happy and you're not prepared for it. So when you're talking to younger players, save your money. Make sure you're not sitting here saying, oh, I'll wait till my next contract. Because it can end immediately. And when it ends, you better be prepared and have a game plan For what's going to happen next, because it's very small. Your margin to play in the NFL, the opportunities are very small. And every single Tuesday during a regular season, every NFL team brings in free agents. And they're not no-names. There's guys that are out there trying out for football teams, trying to cling on to anything that they have left. XFL's doing tryouts right now. they're still fighting. They didn't walk away on their own terms, and they're not making the same amount of money they did
0: as a player. Um. Did, did you guys ever witness somebody that kind of like what was the first one that kind of shocked you guys as young players where you saw someone either get cut or the game taken away from them that it kind of made you guys realize, wow, I might not have control over how this thing ends. I don't know that. The, the I can't think of one
2: back when I was playing. I probably will. But I think the most shocking one that happened recently was Andrew Luck. Because we saw some injuries, and one of my friends is a trainer for us, so I kind of followed him going through the rehab process and things like that. And coming into the league, you're saying Andrew Luck would be a quality quarterback for 15 15, years. at least. He'll win championships. He's smart. And I I knew he had took some punishment early on, but I never thought that it was come to this point where he would retire at this point in his career. He was, what, 25, 27, 28, something like that. You thought that he would have another— 10, 15 years left in them, and it was just not not disappointing. It was actually a relief to see someone say at that position that they're protecting like crazy that he's willing to walk away because something's not right. He just doesn't feel right. He doesn't have the same love for the game. To me, it's a refreshing reminder that not everybody wants to do this for 30 years. Some guys do have a backup plan. Yeah. Some guys do say, you know what, I want to do ready. I want to do TV. I want to go into acting. I want to sell cars and I don't need to play football for, for 100 years. Ugh. I have a nutshell I mean, a, a net a nest egg of money, and now I'm able to just go do
0: what I actually wanted to do. And th- that's, a, Man, that's a good thing. But see, that's the thing, though, is I don't think everyone's asked themselves that question. I don't think everyone's asked that question, what am I going to do? Was I rare. also don't think yeah, everyone's saved it's that rare. nest egg. Also, the thing that I don't think people realize is when you're playing the ecosystem that's built around you of people relying on you doing that, and I don't even just mean people asking for money. No. I mean, when you go home... And there are family members that only derive happiness because they get to see you. Right. Or there are friends that are obsessed about talking about it. And even though you don't want to say it because you say, I live for myself, there is a pressure coming from them on you that they don't even realize they're putting on you. And so when you stop, everyone else's world stops. Yeah. And that's just an interesting thing to deal with because it really is supposed to be just you. You're the one lifted all the way. The, the, the one for
1: me that really stuck out with Patrick Willis. I mean, it was an absolute man-child that I faced up against on the other side of the ball throughout the years and played, and his ability to run sideline to sidelines, be physical, play downhill, play the way a linebacker should play, and then to hear him retire because of his feet. It's like, I want to be able to walk when I'm older. Mm. I want to be able to have a life that I enjoy after I'm done playing this game when he was at the top of his game. So for that, that was the big standout for, for me because that was two years after we played him in the NFC Championship game.
0: And I think it's because of these injuries is the reason that positions like running back and offensive linemen complain that quarterbacks get all the attention. Because it really does feel like they're the only position that's protected, and thus they can have the longest careers. And if you invest in a linebacker and they retire after five years,
1: <laughs> we're on to the next one. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a rotational door. Yeah. Yep.
0: All right. Let's talk about the games. All right. Um, first game, I believe it's at 3 o'clock, is Chiefs-Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk Titans first. Mr. Deal, oh, yeah. as You as you look at this roster and an upset over the Patriots, An upset over the Ravens. Can this keep going? And what about this team do you love a lot?
1: Well, obviously I love the fact that this is a downhill running team that relies on physical smash mouth football, staying ahead of the chains on first and second down, and believing in letting their offensive line control the tempo of a football game. And the thing that you can sit here and say is as well, you know, they know that Derrick Henry's gonna run the football. Well, there are eight nine-man boxes. And the offensive line for the Tennessee Titans were recreating the line of scrimmage.
0: what I thought was so interesting, it was an underrated free agency move. Roger Saffold? Yes.
1: Yeah. Him and Taylor Lewan on the left side after Taylor Lewan got settled in after being suspended the first four games.
0: For, for people that don't realize, Roger Saffold, before Andrew Whitworth, was really with the Rams.
1: He was, he was their best offensive lineman.
0: Was no the Rams question. offensive lineman. And when you look at the Rams offensive line this year and how it all fell apart, Terrible.
1: they were bad interior. They lost him and Sullivan, the center and their left guard.
0: But as you watch the Titans offensive line... Who's really standing out to you that maybe normal fans like myself we're not picking up on our everyday basis?
1: I would say uh, I would say Saffold and Ben Jones, their center. Ben they're Jones, a build, former they're, Giant Ben for, Jones. They're, they're, no, no, no. He's on uh, the Vikings. Different Jones. Gotcha. Uh, the, the reason why I think so is because. Their ability on double teams to get a defensive tackle on one leg and get up to the second level is something that you have to do. Obviously, Taylor Lewan is an unbelievable athlete, and he's great at setting the edge and being able to move a defensive end, but their ability on the inside to chip and nudge and get up to the second level— And give Derrick Henry a two-way go to where either he can put his foot north and south or their ability to move the pocket. He can cut it right off of it back. Those are the things that you love to see because how many times in the last two weeks have you seen Derrick Henry run right past the offensive line untouched, unscathed, and have that amount of momentum up to the second level? Mm. That's something that you can't duplicate in practice no matter how much you do it. And the thing that they need to have on the Kansas City Chiefs defensive line, they've got to have Chris Jones back. He in this game. He didn't
0: practice today.
1: I know he's got a calf and that's something that worries you because of the amount of people that they need to have on the interior of that defensive line. Especially like you're saying
0: you just had one leg Yeah, and if your leg is so how about this? You're in the playoffs you're taking on a team that has an elite defensive lineman and you see that he missed last week, and he's got a calf injury.
1: You're testing it immediately. How do you test it? Well, number one, you're testing Other than stepping on it on double teams. Double teams. Can mm-hmm. he hold up? Can he sit in there? And if it's a defensive tackle that's a, a player that's a penetrator, you're going to try to trap him with the backside uh, guard. You're going to try to wham him with the fullback or the H-back coming back. You want to test if they still have that ability and the athleticism if something's wrong with their lower half. I know for me, when I had
0: something so you're, wrong you're, with me— So, re- re- really quick, you're saying— by giving him guys at different angles, yeah. you're making him kind of use the lateral Because the next yeah.
1: time he goes to go through the hole, he, instead of looking straight, he's going to look to see if he's going right. to get ear holed from one side or the other. Got you it. want him to be thinking. That's why the most important thing is going to be
2: thinking a lot. Yeah. Being left, right, up, and down, instead of just playing football. The, the one thing that you don't want defensive linemen doing is going forward. Yeah. You want them wondering who's coming from my left, who's coming from my right. If yeah. they're thinking, Really, with any position, quite honestly. That's the worst thing that they can have going yeah. That
0: That's the side of the ball. That's the part of that side. It's funny, me and Westbrook actually watched that game together. Yes, we And did. I bet over completions Ryan Tannehill like a fucking idiot. Yeah. And he had like eight completions yeah. in the game, and it was just like Derrick Henry, and it was yeah. like long touchdowns and all that. He didn't even have enough attempts in the game. No. I, I think I don't think he had enough attempts to hit my completions right. over. Because right. I thought the Chiefs were going to get to a lead to be like dink and dunk yeah, to like yeah. John new Smith. But... That's that's a part of that side of the ball, which is, can the Titans run the ball enough, keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, and test Chris Jones? Because even though A.J. Brown is phenomenal, and John New Smith is an up-and-coming tight end. I mean, they don't even have Delaney Walker no, right now, and he was in that offense He's for the last guy, three yeah. years. And and Corey Davis and all these guys, it's, does Derrick Henry control a rock or not? That's what that side of the ball is. Even though everyone's wants to tell me that Ryan Tannehill's earned a lot of money, that's fine. Yep. They need to power. Do you think they're gonna be able to?
1: I do. I think that they're gonna be able to because they're not gonna change their identity. And the things that they're gonna be able to do off of that is obviously all the play action and the one thing that they can set up with that, misdirection. If they can get something to where now all of a sudden the Kansas City Chiefs' yeah. eyes are going sideline to sideline, and you've got Derrick Henry coming downhill, hey, listen. all it takes is one jet sweep. All it takes is one reverse for them to oh, honor it on that. the back side. Now all of a sudden you've got a will and a defensive end that sees something coming. They can't crash down the line of scrimmage. That's an extra two, three yards for Derrick Henry. When
0: I interviewed variable in the offseason, I asked him about Arthur Smith kind of taken over, because if you remember, they had Matt LaFleur. Yeah. And I said, is this guy ready? And he almost like scoffed at it. And the reason is, is like he's been here. And sometimes it's good to get that OC that watched the other guy, because I didn't like the Matt LaFleur offense last year, and he's like, oh no, we need more of this. So You, when you learn have learn from his mistakes. When you have a game-clinching play where you're running back, it throws it, I see Janu Smith on a reverse almost every game. Yep. AJ Brown's getting so they've been very good at creating doubt mm-hmm. to set up Derrick Henry. Um, and it's funny, like you said, teams are loading the box, and Derrick's still getting off. Yeah,
2: every team has loaded the box because that's what they're going to do. Yeah,
0: every team, and this is what Steve Spagnola's
2: his whole goal in this game is going to be. You guys both yeah, we're both, know, both familiar yeah, with yeah, we, Steve. We, yeah. we want to turn it into Mahomes versus Tannehill. Yep. You don't want to have Mahomes versus Derrick Henry no. because if that game, who,
0: who knows what happens
2: up front against that defense. You um, see
0: Mahomes that. on the sideline like I yeah. got yeah, yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't
2: want that. You want the quarterbacks versus each other because obviously you know how good uh, Patrick Mahomes is. Here's the other thing. If, if you're talking about for the Chiefs, they give up the eighth-fewest Big play, yardage down the field, plus 20-yard plays. And so you want them to be have to throw the ball against that defense because that's when Tyron Matthew comes into play. But the same way that every team was said – We're going to run the football. That's what we're going to do if we're the Tennessee Titans. We're going to run the football until you stop it. And until Kansas City comes out and says, either we're going to score, put up 14 points right away at the beginning of the game, or you find a way to stop it, you're going to see an awful lot of Derrick Henry every single play until they can stop
0: it. I will say this, and the reason I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win is the perfect situation for the Titans is they're up 14 0 and they have the ball.
1: Just running it right down.
0: But even with that, Patrick Mahomes can negate that in two plays. Yeah, the worst situation for the Titans is the Chiefs are up fourteen nothing, and I don't know if the Titans can come. No, in. no, and, and so if it's a shootout, they're not. And winning. so the fact that one team has the if it goes perfectly for us, you're fucked, and the other team if it goes perfectly for us, and really we just saw this team be down twenty four nothing, and it was nothing. Yeah, the weird
2: part about the Titans, as good as that offensive line has been, pass blocking. Running the, I mean, excuse me, running, run blocking. They've given up 56 sacks this year. Yep. Second worst in the NFL. My only
0: curious, I would have to look it up, the is numbers, how, much how much that was Mariota. Mariota and, because yeah, Mariota's absolutely. a chronic ball holder. Yeah. He
2: held him to the ball a lot. But he was he hasn't played since, what, week seven or so? Yeah. Yeah. so I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, yeah. He didn't
0: have 50 sacks in week in seven weeks. Other side of the ball, I think the most surprising part about the Titans is this was a team that was a really bad secondary in the second half of the year. They had a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Dory Jackson was banged up. Malcolm Butler really wasn't operating at full operandi. Logan Ryan, all this stuff. But now it seems like they're getting production out of their defensive line it's yeah. really changing it. And the guy that I keep mentioning is Justin Simmons, mm-hmm. who people kept telling me was like a top-five pick talent-wise, but he tore his ACL around the combine. And now he's the one ripping the ball away from a Ravens player. Mm-hmm. He's the one talking shit to Lamar Jackson. And every single play. Every, every single awesome. play. Because it's funny, like, Jarrell Casey was the guy that people weren't giving enough credit mm-hmm. for years. And then now he's a little bit too old in the tooth and he's not like he was. But now he's got this younger guy that's kind of awoken him a little bit. Is it possible to slow down the cheese? Because I don't, I don't know if it is. They, they have so much speed. What do you thinking? The Titans slow down the Chiefs?
1: I mean, obviously, Dean Pease has his work cut out for him, and I think this is an offense that he's been used to and watched and evaluated. But the big thing is, is which piece are they going to try to take away to beat this Kansas City Chiefs offense? Is it going to be Kelsey? Is it going to be Hill? They've got to make sure that when they come up and they formulate this game plan, yes. that they do something to try to make the Kansas City Chiefs have some type of semblance of a run game because if they can do that and keep them in front of them, that's their only chance to win on the back end. So the other thing with it is when you look at Patrick Mahomes and the aggressiveness of how d ps can interchange either blitz or just rush with four, you have to be able to get after Patrick Mahomes yeah. because now all of a sudden if you're sending these blitzes and you don't get home on that back oh. end – These are going to be home run hitting plays because of the amount of speed between Hill, Harmon, and the rest of the players. That's a complete mismatch. So that balance is going to be something very important to watch out of Dean Pease. I
2: think Travis Kelsey has a huge game this week. I mean, I've seen the Titans give up a bunch of yards to tight ends all season long. I think Kelsey has a big game. I think somehow, and I, I and I've been telling you this all dog on season, they're saving LaShawn McCoy. And for some reason, they he didn't even do anything yeah. in game. But I, I think Williams had a big game. They, they'll find a way to get their running backs involved in a screen game at some yep. point because the Titans, if you're the Titans, you're saying we gotta get out to the quarterback. We yeah. have to find a way to make sure that Patrick Mahomes has, has a rough day. That means the screen game will be there. That means that That was
1: your bread and butter. Absolutely.
2: Let's get oh, involved man. in the screen game just a little bit. I think the crossing routes for, for the, the uh the Kansas City Chiefs will continue to Be important because they're they're getting yards, yeah, chunk chunk yards because crossing route.
0: If you really go back and look at what happened in the last game, you talk about he has to take one of those things away. Team Peace took nothing nothing away. Mahomes went 446 yards, three touchdowns, 36 of 50. Um. Tyreek Hill went 11 for 157 in a touchdown. Kelsey went 7 for 75 in a touchdown. Nicole Harmon had one catch, 63 yards in a touchdown. And kind of what fed into the perfect Henry game is the Chiefs kind of scored too quickly. And they was were like so a lot far behind touchdowns. they couldn't do it. Yeah. Also, if you remember, they had the game won. I think they had two field goals blocked in that mm-hmm. game. They had there was a fumble. A but
2: yeah. Return for, for, for a Huge touchdown. Ball.
0: So it reminds me a little bit of when I was discussing the Texans Chiefs last week, where, yes, the Texans beat them last last game. But the Chiefs were up in that game 17-3. to They fumbled inside their own five to the Texans. They got a score right before the half. The Chris Jones, like all the injuries, Chris Jones, Eric Fisher, all this stuff, it was a perfect storm to lose. And the Titans game was very similar, and the game was in Tennessee. And the
1: Chiefs defense wasn't as good as that early that's game right. as they are now, right. too. No. Much better.
0: So that's why... I I know everyone loves the Titans and stuff. The reason that I... And I said this to Ingber last week that I... The one game that scared me the most was for the Ravens was if this running game gets going and the Ravens' run defense stinks, which it it has had moments, the Ravens' offense, the one time I saw them down was to the Chiefs and it was Miracle City that they got back into it. I, I just don't expect the Titans to have a solve for Mahomes. And I just... The fact that Derrick Henry has had three straight games of over 30 carries and he's run for almost 600 yards in three games I don't know if how that's sustainable have, how yeah, much I tread did, does he
1: have left no, yeah, he's, he's so big,
0: big and he's only in his fourth season so like this is the time like ride him yeah. you're not saying he's a free agent there's no reason to save him up I just I don't know if the Titans defense can match the speed of the Chiefs I just—they just seem too fast. There hasn't
2: been very many teams that have been able no. to match that speed. The only thing that has slowed the Chiefs down has, has been turnovers, obviously yeah. fumbled in the first game, and special team miscues, special yep. team miscues, and
0: that's—and that. the that's fact that it slow. happened yeah. last week. Yeah. the odds of it happening again with one of the best special teams coordinators yeah. in the NFL. Tope, yeah, Tope, yeah. yeah, I just—I I think when you make mistakes, the odds of you making those same mistakes the next week are very few. Mm-hmm. That's how I do betting. Like DK Metcalf went off against the Eagles, bet the under the next game. Like (laughs) like the coaches watch that film more.
1: And especially the way that this last game played out, you know that the Kansas City Chiefs are not going to come out with that type of, eh. Uh, you saw it coming out of the locker room. Did you see how dead and how quiet the Kansas City Chiefs were when they were getting intro into the game? I did not there notice There was them. silence. I'm like, you're going out there to play a playoff game and nobody's saying anything. There was literally no emotion out of that football team. They're not going to come into this game and let that get out of hand early.
0: Hey, it's Revenge Tour 2020, and they were here last year, And they thought that they had three different times in that game against the Patriots that they should have gone to the Super Bowl. And it's like the old Dan Marino thing. If you think you're going to make it back just because you went there early on in your career, nothing is guaranteed. And I think because they got that taste of it. I don't think they're taking any of this for granted. I feel like the Titans right now are kind of the darlings of the ball, yeah. and I, I I don't think they're reading their press clippings because I think they're going to be called underdogs all week. And you week. know
1: Vrabel's grinding into each and every one of them, not letting them oh. get complacent. I just don't think they have enough firepower. I they want to make it a
2: nasty, dirty, yeah.
1: physical game.
2: They want to make it. They hope that it rains and it snows and it's they want to make it a heavyweight
1: fight for That's four, four what plus they quarters. That's yeah. what they want it to be, yeah. Yeah. and I hope it is. I right, do too. There's everybody nothing, dies. There's
0: nothing worse than looking up at four fifteen and seeing. Chiefs up 17-3 to and being like, all right, I'm going to do some errands because I can just wait for the night (laughs) game. That's the fucking worst, bro. Breaking down boxes and folding like Marie Kondo. (laughs) That's my life right now. All right. Night game. Um, And what's interesting is I feel opposite the fact that the Titans won the first game makes me feel less confident that it can be close. But with this game with Packers Niners, because the Niners blew them out, gives me more confidence that this one will be close. Like, I feel like if, if that one was close, I'd be like, man, the Niners might run away. But because the Packers have that taste where they like, this team beat our fucking ass. Yeah. I would that, has that ever happened to you guys where you lost to a team earlier in the year and you got to play them again and it fueled you guys even more?
2: We play, played Pittsburgh one year, and uh, I don't know for some reason we must have played them in the preseason. And they, we, we knew that third preseason game where you really want to show well, and um, then we played them later on in the regular season. And they just they whipped our butt in the preseason. And then that next game when we played them during the regular season. We were like, yo, we got to come, like, a, a whole different mindset, physical di- mindset, and they, they whipped us again. We just – I mean, we weren't, <laughs> we, we, we were just, we weren't able just, to get not, to not. that level of physicality that they brought to the game. And so, yeah, there are times where you say, hey, we won't allow this to happen again. But if you're not good enough to stop that run game of the 49ers, if you can't if, – if, if the offensive line plays – this week for the 49ers in the same dominant fashion that they played against the Minnesota Vikings there's just nothing that the the uh mm. the, that green bay can do they pushed those guys around moved them around play, they they put them the defense line of the uh the the Vikings, the Vikings exactly where they wanted them to be so yeah. they can run the ball effectively if that happens then that means the play action pass is going to work that means the deep ball is going to work it's just going to be hard for green bay so to you, combat that would you that.
0: say then that when it comes to this niners running game You're really paying attention to like Preston and Zedaria Smith and how well do they stand up to the point of attack and limiting like those lanes and stuff like that?
2: Go ahead. Well, two things. The the first thing is, yeah, how how do they stand up to the point of attack? I think that's important. The other thing is that San Francisco is the best team with shifts in motion. That's where I was. And if those guys, the same way that we just talked about, making a defensive player wonder what the hell is going on. Is, is it going left because of the motion? Right. If they can get them to start thinking, and it's similar to what I thought, the the Baltimore Ravens had the ability to do with that the the zone read. You never Mm -hmm. knew who had the ball, where the ball was intended to go. And defensively, you couldn't be right. The 49ers had that same ability and they just used uh, Samuel on motion. They used a a Mm -hmm. bunch of different guys with shifts and things like that. And now as a defense, you're guessing. That's the one thing you don't want to do. The Smith brothers, they don't want to be guessing. They want to pin their ears back and go out there to quarterback. San Francisco has the ability to roll out, use shifts in motion so that they have to guess. And that's the part that I'm worried about if I'm the Green Bay Packers defense.
1: Our our 2007 postseason was just like what the Green Bay Packers are doing now. We got smoked week two by the Green Bay Packers. It was like 45 to 13, and even that was a blowout early, late points. We lost twice to the Cowboys that year. We didn't beat them. Obviously, we played Tampa Bay first in a wild card game, which we beat, and we didn't play them all season. But then to go on the road to Green Bay and Dallas and play those, it was the postseason of revenge. We wanted everything that they took from us early in those games, and it meant that much more to us going into it. So I think they definitely have that feeling after getting blown out 38-7. to Aaron Rodgers had like 140 yards throwing. I think Aaron Jones had 13 carries for 38 yards. Mm-hmm. Like they absolutely demolished them in San Francisco. But when it comes to the way that Kyle Shanahan – All the smoke and mirrors, all the misdirection, all the deception— that is something that does not play into the hands of the way that Zadarius Smith likes to play. Right. He likes to veer, he likes right. to jump, he, he likes, likes to, to know where the ball's he be. likes to know where the ball is, but he'll take chances making an inside move. If they do that and now all of a sudden he isn't covered on that backside by a linebacker or another defensive tackle, play. now they're going to start to expose that by the way that Kyle Shanahan's offense runs through. And you want to talk about imposing your will on another football team. The San Francisco 49ers up against the Minnesota Vikings, 16 straight runs, 16, and they couldn't stop it. I'm sitting at home like, this is one of the greatest things I've ever witnessed in my life. Because you know you're running it, they know you're running it, and they can't do a damn thing about it.
0: One thing I will say that is forgotten in this discussion about what the Niners did to the Vikings is the fact that the Niners threw like six of eight on the first drive. Yeah. And, and that's what Kyle does, which it's like the Packers this year have outscored their opponents in the first quarter 108-56. to 56. The Packers really, for the, the first three quarters of the season, they scored most of their points in the first quarter and then kind of hung on. Yeah, it, it was a fatal flaw that cost them a few times. But I feel like Matt LaFleur goes out there because he's like Kyle Shanahan light, and he goes out there and he goes, here are my plays, where Kyle goes, I'm going to show you something, and you're going to be thinking about it all game, and you don't even realize by the third quarter, that wasn't even my game plan. No. Nah. Because Kyle's like Bill, where he's setting you up for something later. And that's why if Kyle was coaching the, the team that got blown out— I'd be like, he's going to be in the film, and he's going to figure out the weaknesses he's going to attack. But the fact that Kyle's coaching the team that blew you out and the fact that Kyle has hung up over 30.5 points on Pettin both times, I think his running backs have averaged 5.7 yards per carry, and he did one of that with C.J. Beathard as his quarterback, (laughs) and you're in San Francisco. um, You are friends with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Aaron had maybe the worst game of his career last game.
1: And couldn't have been happier after. I still think that he didn't care. Did you hear him talking? Mm. I don't think that it really mattered. I know that he didn't have his best game this last one, but no, when no, no. He, I meant against the Niners. Oh, oh, oh! When he was that, No, no, oh, no. That, no. That game was a complete blowout, and he shouldn't have been happy after what, what, that. What game. I'm
0: saying though is, it's this is the first year where I'm really seeing a step back from Aaron in terms of his physical abilities now. The throw to Jimmy Graham at the end of the game, the throw to Devontae Adams. Insane. He still can put in the bucket anywhere. Oh, yeah. But I feel like we need Aaron to really outplay Jimmy this week and to, they, he needs to move. They got to get him out of the pocket because with that D lineman and the fact that during the Packers game, Brian Balaga doesn't play. Yeah. Because they lose. Like, yeah. I don't know if they can put Aaron Rodgers in the pocket. I feel like he needs to, I feel like they need to do all the motion shit.
1: I think this last game was a big telltale sign of the way that now Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers are on the same page. Because if you think and you go back to the beginning of the year about Aaron Rodgers not having the ability to alert and check plays. Right, 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 right. Oh, he's not giving me free reigns. Well, your offense and your receivers weren't up to speed at that time, and I don't even know if they're up to speed I at this point now. Right yeah. now,
0: you're relying on Allen. A big
1: telltale sign of where they've changed is when they asked about that pass. To Devontae Adams. Well, that was an aggressive
0: call. Actually, that was, was that like me- the third and long yeah. Adams shot yeah. out.
1: Yeah. Actually, that wasn't me. That was Aaron right. who alerted it. Right. Really? Aaron alerted it? He goes, yeah, he said he saw something. He did it earlier in the year. And they were like, oh, you let him do that? He goes, he can check plays as many times as he wants. That's a complete different turnaround yeah. from where they started to where they are now.
0: I just what I'm asking though is, do we think Aaron can dial the clock back five years? And go a little bit touchdown savant, like what the reason that we call him the best quarterback of all time. Can he go back
2: five? Well, the issue that. You may have with Aaron Rodgers turning the clock back to just become who we think Patrick Mahomes is at this point is that that defensive line is nasty. Yeah. And they have the ability to do with four and five guys, where many teams have to bring six and seven mm-hmm. guys to blitz to be able to do. So now, where, where you're saying they can do with four, that means you got seven guys in coverage. That means the one guy that they're going to try to throw the ball to, Devontae Adams, now you can double team him. If you need to double team Jimmy Graham, you can still do that. And you still got three or four guys that have the ability to. Be but still cover at that yeah. point. Yeah. And so you, you have to, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm saying, okay, I'm going to have to check the ball down. I'm going to need big runs after the catch from all of my running backs, whoever's going to get it. And I would expect that Devontae Adams is going to be double teamed at some point.
0: That's that's the thing about this Niners defense is when you have the four horsemen up front, mm-hmm. who well, I'm looking right now. Arik Armstead in that game had two sacks. Yep. Uh, Nick Bosa had a sack. DeForest Buckner had a, Buckner least had a yeah. half a sack. It was a party. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I mean,
1: shoot, and even he, though D four didn't have the numbers, his get off. I don't think D four played in that game.
0: Oh, in first the first game. one. No, yeah. I'm I am talking about this past yeah. one. Yeah, he's another guy. But and they got Quan Alexander. But, yeah. But the thing about this team right now is to have Richard at the back, and I am not saying that Richard is a top three corner right now, but you guys know what it's like when you are this into the game in terms of years, and it slows down. To have a guy like Richard at the back that can say, watch the screen, Aaron Mm -hmm. Jones, because that to me is the only way the Packers make this really big is if they find ways creatively with motion and deception to get the ball into Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams hands where they catch the Niners slipping. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Richard is back there and he can read all that shit, he's sort of the canary in the coal mine that's like, the one thing that'll fuck us is that. Yeah. Watch that. That's that's why I really like this Niners if,
2: defense. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm saying we have to find a way to have success on first and second down. Yeah. If we get to third down, and they were 6% you, on third fine. down yeah, conversion uh, and the, the, when they played earlier, then you're short. I mean, you're just in a bad situation because that's when that D-line can pin their ears back. And no yeah. matter how many motions and shifts and rollouts you're going to do, they're going to get after it. It's, it's just, you know... In the NFL now is as good as Aaron Rodgers is. If you don't, if, if it's third and long, every every single third down, you're in trouble. It doesn't matter yeah. what you can do, and you know, all you just can't be successful that way. And so it, you're going to have to have some type of run game, and it's hard to run against these boys. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to run against the
1: 49ers. I, I, I was going to say is this part of that they have to get Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones involved Early. in the passing game as an extension of the run Absolutely. because the only one thing. That will slow down a defensive line in the pass rush, and that's a little flare out screen to a, a running back or screens. That's the only thing that will give them that split second hesitation. Think,
0: like, first drive, they've put got fear, put doubt into their
1: head. Yeah, they've got to do something
0: so that the 49ers defense just can't pin their ears back I, and get after. I them. would love to see the Packers start out with tempo. Yeah. I would love to see Aaron just calling the plays up there because I think if you get into a ball-control time of possession with a Kyle Shanahan running game, you're playing right into their hands. Of course. Like, I want Aaron at the line. I want to tire out those defensive linemen. I don't want them substituting because I always hear with great pass-rushing teams, you save those guys for the second half. Yep. But if I can get them all on the field in the beginning and just get that tire, because if Aaron has time at the end of the game, is game on. Yeah, yeah. So I I'm, I'm trying to keep those dudes, and I'm not afraid if we go three and out. Well, but I kind of want to go hurry up to get those guys tired. That's the part that yeah. you don't
2: want. If you go three and out, I mean, and it's but you got to trust your defense. A little. It's of course. a weird balance. Of course. It's a weird balance. They had six punts in the first half in that the first game that they played. That's a lot. That's a game and a half worth of punts in the they, what they had in the first half. And yeah. so those three and outs against this offense, that's where it can hurt you.
0: It's also two kickers that. Like you
2: do, yeah, you don't trust. Five, five
0: years ago, we're like Robbie Gould and yeah. what the fuck <laughs> is his name? Uh, uh, what's it? Uh, <coughs> uh, Mates and Crosby. Yes, that were like best kickers in the league, and I don't trust either of no. them right now. No, and like I don't know why. Sometimes I get premonitions. Like when I knew that Goskowski was going to miss one against the Eagles, I just feel like Robbie Gould's going to miss a really important field goal. I don't. I don't know why. Because like I said. I think the Chiefs are going to blow out the Titans. This game, I feel like is going to be weirdly close, and I don't know why. And I feel like Gould is missing one. That's my—I'm going to flow that out
2: there. You know, one of the things that you always got to think about in these games is quarterback inexperience. experience. G, what yep. guy has the experience at the right Jimmy time? Jimmy
0: G is a very interesting conversation.
2: It's weird. Yeah.
0: Because he has, a little, he has experience, but You've he been doesn't hearing have a bunch about of him for playoff six years. Yeah, He has, like, a top five salary, but if you look at games played. That's right. He doesn't have a bunch of
1: it. Yeah. And Aaron the the Rodgers does. And the other thing that worries me about Jimmy G is when he is inaccurate, when he does have pressure in the face, the problem is is he throws so much to the middle of the field that, that you've got opportunities to have tip drill and get that's interceptions. That's right. Obviously, the Vikings should have had two, and they didn't come up with them. Right. Those are things that when you look at this defense for the Green Bay Packers, they can capitalize on.
0: And, and I'll say this. The way the Packers are built, the fear, obviously, is that they've, they've been susceptible to consistent, strong running games this year. Eagles ran A lot of teams ran all over them. But when you that was look, the Eagles' get-right game. Oh, it was, it was amazing. It was. But the secondary has some dogs like Jair Alexander and Savage. Darnell Savage. Oh, like dead. they really, and that front line, other than the Smith brothers, uh, Kenny Clark is a monster yep. and they did take Rashawn Gary. Yeah. The 11th pick in the draft who was like one of the biggest athletes. So if they're able to kind of set the tone, my one fear about the Packers though, it started in the beginning of the year. Oren Burks got hurt, I think, with a torn peck in the beginning of the year, and it's like Blake Martinez. Yeah, The one position that's so important when I'm playing Kyle is those linebackers, yeah. just of the guys underneath, one of them's going to have to be on Debo or the running backs, yeah. and they're going to have to play a perfect game. And that's what scares me. But like you said, if it gets down and it's Jimmy versus Aaron, like You've got to pick Aaron. If you got to pick Case. You've got to. But but I'm going Niners. But, in well, but, but you also got to think
2: about, as, as, quickly as quickly as I want to pick Aaron, I'm saying, well, who does Aaron want to throw the ball to? Devontae Adams. That's it. Yeah. And is, can is there a way for our defense to take him away? If we ever had a situation, can we just take that one guy away? And you I, I what,
0: think you can. But you know what's interesting is Jimmy has Kittle, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then – Really, I guess Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. Yep. And Debo then his yeah. But none of them really scare you that much. They're not Devontae Adams. No. no. Like I'm not worried about Emmanuel Sanders beating me deep at this point of his career. Debo is a great athlete, but again, reps, he's a rookie. Debo,
1: Debo is a, a more athletic garcon in that offense. I, absolutely. Yes. That's and, what
0: he is. Kyle has yep. such a fucking heart on yeah. for PR Garcons. Yep. But really, the, the, the second-best weapon for a lot of these guys are their running backs.
2: All, all of them. All and of them. There's so, yeah. 20 of them. Right. And
0: so as long as the Packers can kind of keep the Niners in front of them and go, you're going to have to beat us with 11 play drives, maybe they'll, Jair maybe jumps a route, you know? But uh, it's not like the Niners have, like, a Julio uh-uh, that can really no. take over. Like, the Chiefs have three. Like, if you slip on McCole, Tyreek, or Sammy, that's a fucking 70-yard touchdown.
2: Yeah, you're done. I feel like the 49ers beat you with volume. They just so many good plays they can get into, different formations. We're just going to volume you to death, and you become
0: overwhelmed. And the one thing I'll say about experience is Kyle Shanahan knows what it's like to be on the biggest stage and to let the foot off the pedal. And that's
1: what people were saying in this last game in the second half. Oh, he's just running the football. He's learned from his past. He knew when they played up against the Patriots, if they would have just ran a couple run plays in there to at least try to kill some of the clock, they would have had
0: an opportunity. But the other side, Matt LaFleur, he doesn't even know what he doesn't know yet. That's true. Like, I'll be honest, I watched Matt LaFleur's post-game speeches in the locker room, (sighs) and I'm like, I know they're excited they won, but, like, I'm not getting any juice from this. I'm not getting inspired by it. But I really think at the end of the game, it'll be Kyle versus Aaron. and that's Because Aaron's going to go... I fucking got it.
1: Trust me. I I think that the San Francisco 49ers are going to win this game based upon coaching. I think that Kyle Shanahan and, on the other side, Robert Sala are better coordinators and better coaches that fit the identity of their football team more than LaFleur and Patton.
0: Yeah. All right, so I I kind of steered this into the Super Bowl that I think it's going to be, which is Niners-Chiefs. Do you guys agree with that? I agree. Okay. What do you think? The two best teams, yeah. You know, two best teams. Unless here's the thing, I could see
2: Aaron Rodgers water. having yeah, a man. day, just having one of those I those vintage so. Aaron Rodgers day. And there's nothing that the the 49ers defense can do about it. He's getting the ball out of his hands quickly, just completing everything to Devontae. Listen the Adams. Beginning of that
0: Vikings game when they started figuring out where Akilah Weatherspoon was and yes, just attacking him. Yes. He Aaron's gonna have to find a matchup, or somebody like a Marquez Valdez Scantling yep. is gonna have to like mature overnight and be the weapon that they yep. thought it could be because the Packers needed a number two, mm-hmm. and they had all these collections of the other wide receivers, the Kumaros, the Lazards, and My they were. Like,
1: Moore, Allison, my One of these guy. guys yeah.
0: is going to step up. And none of them it did. Never none happened. Never and happened. Jimmy doesn't have that step. And someone's going to have to just become... what? Who, who was the wide receiver that caught the two bombs against Arizona uh, from Aaron in that game? Do you remember that? The white guy? No. They were, was I'll it look, Kumaro? No, but it was like a guy like Kumaro. Oh, oh,
1: oh. Uh, yeah. What was the number? Uh, 80,
0: was he 84? Not Rand... Uh, God. Jeff Janis, Jeff Janice, That's it. Like you need a Jeff Janis to be like like Marquez Valdez scaling Where the fuck did that come? <laughs> it's probably going to have to come from the running backs.
2: I mean, if, if it's not Devontae Adams, I think I don't know that I'm trusting Jimmy Graham. It has to come from the running. Yeah, backs.
0: but if Stones I'm if way. I'm the Titans and the Packers, I am I am turning up my risk. I'm thinking about onside kicks out of nowhere. I'm, I'm looking at all my fakes. No. I just I want to set the tone and take away the heart of a team right but away. But at the same thing, though, you
1: can't shy away and get away from who your identity is True. as a football team. That's the one thing. It is unbelievable to get in the, into the championship weekend, but you can't steer away from what got you there. Think about when we're sitting here talking about last week's game, the Baltimore Ravens. They did not do what they did to get into that That's point. Right. Granted, you're down in that game. I get that. But then all of a sudden, you know Mark Ingram is not 100% healthy and Gus Edwards is averaging over five yards a clip. Give Gus Edwards the ball more than three times. You drive all the way down the freaking field, yes. and this used to drive us crazy You could feel as an offensive lineman. You run and you drive all the way down the field. You get to the five-yard line. Greg Roman motions and goes empty backfield. Yeah, yeah. You just took away your threat and the thing that worries a defense yeah. about whether Lamar Jackson's going to keep it or give it to a running back. You just gave away one of your strengths. You never did that all season.
0: Yeah, I know. It, it goes back to what he was saying earlier, that the key of taking away a defense is making them unsure. And it's funny about the Ravens. That's exactly what they did against the Chiefs. When they were down early in the year, Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram were averaging eight yards a carry. Yeah. But, like... They just, they, and they would go down the field running it, and not abandoning it. And then they get down there and start throwing again. And it, but it takes ultimate wisdom to have control like that. So we'll see. So you're going two best teams, too. Yeah. None, no one wants to pick an upset at all. No. <sighs> You don't have to. No, I think the Tennessee
1: Chiefs game is going to be closer than what people think. I'm
0: exaggerating. Yeah. I exaggerate Yeah,
1: I think it's going to be closer than what people think, but I do think the Chiefs are going to I've been doubting the Titans win. the entire time. So and, and, totally.
0: and honestly, like I
1: said, the Green Bay Packers, I'm not saying that they can't have a great chance to win. I just think coaching is one of the things that goes in the 49ers' favor and the matchup of their running backs versus the linebackers of the Packers. That's something that weighs into the favor of the San Francisco 49ers. And I love Mike Pettin's defense. You love his aggressiveness as a 3-4 and wanted to have that Rex Ryan downhill. But at the same time, you can't play with that same reckless abandon when you've got motions and guys coming all over because now what are you doing? You're worried about this instead of reacting. Yeah. And that split second of hesitation, you know it, I know it. We got you on the defensive yeah. side of the yeah. ball. That's all I want.
0: I just want close games. Yeah, damn I
1: mean, that's what we love. That's You said the, the only time I've enjoyed a game. blowout
0: was when the Eagles blew out the Vikings. That was a nice game. But like if I was, if I was watching it. <laughs> what are the odds that's the that game that nice you or love to you the guys, Or you guys blew out the Vikings? Speaking of blowouts, that was the Vikings, before I was here. But yeah, no. The Giants blew yeah. out the Vikings. Like, yep. they're. Blowouts on championship weekend suck because there's nothing else on. Yeah, like and and you only got one more game. It's and great if you it's want still, it to
2: be good. Like this is yeah. one of the this is two of the last games we'll see all season. And oh. if it's
1: a blowout, it's even worse if it's the the road team because the home crowd is just dead. At least if it's a blowout and it's the home team, you got the crowd, That's you've right. got yeah. the excitement right. to it. There's nothing worse than sitting there watching a game where the road team is just pummeling the other team, and it's just like rrr, wow. Rrr. Let's just get it
0: I up. just realized something. It's I heard a stand-up comedian, and she was talking about eating pizza, and she said that the correct amount of pizza is three, because you don't even realize you're eating pizza when you finish the first one. You're like, you're like, oh, I was eating pizza. You really enjoy the second one, and then you're like holding on to the third one, like it's the most important <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> there are three NFL games left. That's, what, that's yeah. my point. That's in it. The whole year. Yeah. And what's funny is, is like, you know, we all work in this space. When it's like week eight, you're like, all right. Like, this is a little bit much, and, like, there's hundreds left. There are only three games left. That's it. Yeah. And the Super Bowl doesn't even feel like games sometimes. Not even a game. It just feels like an event. So this is like, kind of like shit. And that's the thing. Damn it, just hit me right now. I'm on the third
1: piece of pizza. What you're saying now, you live and you feel that as a player. You realize when you're getting towards the back end of that season, you're in week 15, 16, 17. You've got to win these games. You realize you make the playoffs, you're like, shit, if we don't take care of advantage and take care of our opportunity, we may be like Dan Marino and get there once and never see it again. Those are all things that you realize, especially the magnitude and the comparity and the the parity of the NFL now. The way that teams each and every offseason are bringing in new players, new head coaches, identities and schemes changing. You and I both know this. The NFL evolves every four years, Right. and it's getting younger and younger. And when it happens that way, and when you have a 17-week season, unlike basketball, unlike Ugh. baseball, when you lose a game on Sunday – you are eating shit an entire week until you can go out and do something about it by your actions, not about just what you're saying. Yeah. And when you're into the playoffs and you're in this moment as a veteran player, you better echo those sentiments to those younger players. When we were uh, in 2007, to see Michael Strahan before the Super Bowl talk to our football team his anguish, his pain about losing to the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl, he never knew if he'd ever get there again. And when you see a Pro Bowl and a Hall of Famer say that, or a veteran player who's a leader on your football team, you better take it into account because this isn't college anymore. This isn't the playoffs anymore like you have there. This is a grind for 17 weeks, and you better be playing your football in the postseason. Otherwise, you're going to be sitting at home, sitting there saying, woulda, shoulda, coulda,
2: and you may never see it again. Well, that's why experience Mm -hmm. in these games are significant. And that's when you're talking about how can Green Bay win the game when you have so much of a force for Francisco. Francisco, Well, how they can win is that they have a more experienced, at least quarterback, younger coach, you know, but they got a quarterback who's going to be leading their team and they may get down to a situation just like you mentioned where he's like, listen, I don't want to hear anything for the coach. We're going up tempo and I'm going to call the plays. And if that happens, yeah. that changes the changes things just a bit.
1: Right, the loss
2: in 06 to you guys
1: in the wild card game was so beneficial, even though it ended our season, was so beneficial for us in 07 because sure. you get the speed, you get that's the right. understanding of Notice the magnitude of the situation, right. and you realize that you go out there, and when you look back at that football game, if you don't take care of the things that, when it comes to X's and O's and yep. just the paying attention to the detail-oriented stuff, you will regret it for the rest of your life.
0: And that's why the team that I think has the most motivation from a loss is that's left is the Chiefs. Because it happened to them last year, yeah. Having the food taken it's from fresh their mouth. in their mind, it could have been Chiefs Rams, the rematch of like the fifty fifty one point game yep. in the middle of the year. And and I, I think about what you were just saying about someone getting up in front of the team and talking for the Chiefs. Maybe it's Mahomes, maybe it's Kelsey, but you know what? Maybe it's Andy Reid. It's Andy fucking Reed. Yeah. That's exactly what yeah. I was going to say. When it's when it's the Packers, Aaron's getting up there. Yeah. If it's the Niners. It's gonna be Richard Sherman, mm-hmm. who knows what it's like yeah. to have the ball in the one yard line. Titans, I don't really know because I don't I don't really know if anyone's ever been it. And it'll be Vrabel, but I look at it and I go, of oh, what we're saying about the hurt, the greatest NBA finals performance by a team ever was the Spurs. When they lost to the Heat on the Ray Allen shot, Mm -hmm. and they came back the next year, and they won in like five or six, and they they ripped them apart. It wasn't even close. It wasn't close. wasn't even close. And it was the collection of Duncan and Manu and Parker and Pop spending an entire year going, I will murder you before I experience that again. And that's kind of where I feel like the Chiefs are. But it's going to be a good weekend. Do you have one last point? no. You're just writing on your cool little iPad? Just writing. Okay. <laughs> writing. All right. I hope you guys enjoy the game. 33%. And you guys are the shit. Deal, you're the fucking man. Thanks, boys. Always thanks, thanks for pleasure. having
1: me. Always love doing this, my man. Uh, For Brian Westbrook. The Rocket Man. For David Deal. The Done Deal.
0: Ooh. <laughs> on the LEFKOE, man. Well, holla, holla, holla. you guys later. See you guys.